This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, and this is The Full Story. As we battle yet another wave of COVID-19, older Australians are again bearing the brunt of infections, with almost 100 aged care residents dying every week. We have had a very tragic 2,141 deaths in facilities this year, which obviously is a steep rise from 2020 or 2021. But the aged care workforce remains underpaid and overstretched, and tens of thousands of carers are leaving the sector altogether. So three years into the pandemic, have we learned from past mistakes in aged care? Today, older Australians and the winter wave. It's Tuesday, the 19th of July. So, Chris, we're still weeks away from the expected peak of the so-called winter wave of COVID that we're seeing right now. How badly have aged care residents been affected by this latest wave? Look, the data paints a pretty bleak picture. Christopher Norse is a reporter for Guardian Australia. There are huge numbers of active cases which are linked to more than 800 outbreaks in aged care facilities right now. The number of cases linked to those outbreaks is now at record levels for 2022, which is pretty extraordinary when you consider the the summer Omicron wave was particularly bad in this sector. So aged care providers themselves are saying that, you know, when this thing peaks in a couple of weeks, they're, they're worried that two-thirds of all aged care homes right across the country could be dealing with outbreaks, um, which is mm. a pretty scary thought. And so this is part of a really a broader trend in this sector where we've seen now in 2022 more than 2,000 aged care residents die. Um, so far we're only halfway through the year, keep in mind, and that toll is more than double both 2020 and 2021 combined. So it really has been a, a bad, bad year for COVID in aged care. As we know, in the general community, public health restrictions have largely been relaxed. We're moving into a stage where we're being told to live with COVID. That means case numbers in the general community are much, much higher. It's circulating through the community a lot more. Um, And what we're seeing is, you know, elderly people, older Australians, you know, people with comorbidities, people who are vulnerable to COVID are much more likely now to get it and, and to die from it. Hmm. I mean, it's hard to imagine that this is still happening three years into the pandemic, given everything we've learned about how vulnerable aged care facilities are to COVID outbreaks. Are there still the same level of precautions being taken there against COVID? Yes. Look, I think it's fair to say that there are still the same level of precautions with some exceptions. I mean, the problem is now in this stage of the pandemic and, you know, two years, three years in, we're seeing just such significant circulation of the virus through the general community, that workers are are getting sick more often, that the general community, both through staff and through visitors, are bringing COVID into aged care homes more regularly. So one of the things we have seen in recent weeks is we've seen New South Wales relax its rules around visitation. So they've announced that unvaccinated people will now be able to visit aged care facilities. So they've joined Victoria and Queensland in that respect. New South Wales uh, aged care homes are also uh, relaxing a rule that that previously said that 
a maximum of two adults and two children could visit aged care residents. That's now being relaxed to, to a recommendation only rather than a rule. Um, this sort of trend of relaxing rules around aged care has prompted quite a bit of concern. So we've seen both the Australian Medical Association and the Aged and Community Care Providers Association both criticise these decisions. Um, the sector is saying that you know New South Wales needs to reverse this visitation rule, uh, that it's going to make it harder to protect older Australians. We haven't seen any change. We haven't seen any back down from New South Wales at this stage, um, but it is causing uh, quite a bit of consternation among medical professionals and the sector. What does the sector say that we need to do to bring the number of cases and the number of deaths in aged care down? So the Council on the Ageing Chief Executive, Ian Yates, um, who's, who's really good in this space, he, he says, look, we're actually doing everything we need to be doing, but the problem is really in the general community, in the attitude toward COVID, because things like mask wearing and social distancing have sort of gone out the window. He says that, you know, in order to protect our most vulnerable in the aged care sector, we really need to get serious in the general community about bringing some of these preventative measures back in. Um, Mm. And that's something the aged care minister, Annika Wells, is also calling for. Last week, she wrote to states and territories, urging them to maintain mask mandates and to do more to encourage infection control training among aged care staff, particularly given that we're still a couple of weeks away from the peak of this latest COVID wave. From the government's perspective, aged care providers also need to do a much better job of administering fourth doses of COVID vaccines to aged care residents. When Labor came into government, they were pretty frustrated at the performance of providers on those fourth dose vaccines. So both Mark Butler, the health minister, and Annika Wells, the aged care minister, wrote to aged care providers and said, you really need to speed up your fourth dose administration. Um, so at that stage, only 60% of people aged 65 and over had received their, their fourth booster. And, and there's still a lot of room for improvement. But Annika Wells has been out and about last week saying there has been some improvement in terms of fourth dose administration, but I think it is fair to say that there's still a lot of room for improvement there. Or well, what has the new Labor government done so far to try to reduce these death rates in aged care given the latest wave of COVID? Well, last week, aged care minister Annika Wells convened a meeting with with high-level government officials, including the chief medical officer, Paul Kelly. I called an urgent meeting to ensure that we are leaving no stone unturned ahead of our response to this current winter wave. And they developed and published what they called a winter plan for aged care residents. Okay, what does that plan involve exactly? So the government says that the plan is all about helping providers, helping residents and helping aged care workers through the worst of this current and coming winter wave. So the plan gives residential aged care providers guidance on preparing for and managing COVID outbreaks this winter. So it gives guidance on what their responsibilities are in areas like vaccination, providing antiviral treatments to residents, managing visitor and worker safety and training staff on infection control to prevent COVID getting into aged care homes. We are in a new phase of living with COVID-19, but that does not stop our new government's determination to do everything we can to support aged care homes to be places of care, quality and humanity. Chris, aged care workers are really at the coalface of this winter wave. How have they been managing this so far? Look, it's been a tough time. I think, you know, you speak to any 
union you speak to any staff member in this sector even providers um, are acknowledging it that staff have had a really really tough time you know they they were having a tough time well before the pandemic in terms of you know they're really low rates of pay in terms of, you know, just the sheer exhaustion um, and pressure of working in this sector. You know, then the pandemic came along uh, and everything got dialled up to 10. So, Chris, what are the biggest problems in the aged care sector that existed even before the pandemic? Well, it's hard to know where to start, to be honest. So there were so many problems in aged care that we had, you know, what most people will remember as a pretty damning Royal Commission into aged care, which heard evidence from hundreds of experts, residents and families. So last year it released its final report, which found that the quality of aged care for older Australians, everything from food and nutrition to palliative care, had declined because government funding had dropped to what it described as the bare minimum. It also found that up to 18% of aged care residents experienced physical and sexual assault, which is a huge number. Um, And it offered up 148 recommendations, so a really large suite of recommendations, which were designed to be a blueprint for how governments can reform the sector. Um, you know, it, it called for things like a complete overhaul of, of the funding mechanisms that funded aged care, uh, much stronger regulation, transparency, accountability. It called for better wages and minimum staffing ratios. Um, and by July 2022, so, you know, where we are now, the Royal Commission said that aged care staff, including personal care workers, uh, should be required to spend about 200 minutes per day with an average resident. And at least 40 minutes at time should be provided by a registered nurse. Mm. You know, so these are really kind of big, massive changes for this sector. So how have these recommendations been addressed so far by the federal government? So both the previous Morrison government and the new Labor government had both committed to implementing all of the Royal Commission's recommendations. It's going to be incredibly difficult for governments to implement all 148 We're talking about long, complicated reforms to the industry over many years and it's still early days, especially for labour, but progress so far has been slow. So the previous Morrison government offered um, aged care workers a one-off $800 payment as a pandemic bonus to try and retain them and keep them in the industry. But the Australian Nursing and Midwifery Federation found that more than 70% of aged care workers, so, you know, a huge proportion of them, are yet to receive a single payment from four months after that bonus scheme was announced. Hmm. And how has the new Labor government pledged to address these recommendations and these workforce shortages that we're seeing in aged care? So Labor's promised to spend about $2.5 billion on the aged care sector over four years. Um, it's promised that by the end of next year, every aged care facility in the country would have a registered nurse on site 24 hours a day. And that that's a really significant commitment, but it's still unclear how they're going to follow through on that, given the staff shortages that we have been talking about. It's going to be a real challenge to sort of increase the number of workers available in the country um, to facilitate that promise, given just how stretched we know this workforce is at the moment. Mm. Labor has also promised to back the Health Services Union's case at the Fair Work Commission, which is arguing for a raise to the minimum award rates for for aged care workers, which is something that, you know, the unions have obviously welcomed and the staff have welcomed and and believe will help them um, in terms of retention. 
they've also promised to uh, fund the pay rise if it's given. Um, and the fact that they're willing to do that, that they're willing to pay for aged care workers' um, pay rises uh, is is likely to be persuasive to the Fair Work Commission, um, given that the federal government is, is a major funder of aged care homes. Mm. And that's something that aged care minister Annika Wells said they were still committed to last week. I want to see more aged care workers as full-time and permanent part-time workers. We need to value care more in this country. We haven't been doing it for decades. If we had been doing it earlier than this, we would not be in this situation. Okay, so the government is promising to improve the pay and conditions of aged care workers, but not much has changed yet. And three years into the pandemic, we're seeing that workforce under strain once again. So it's perhaps no surprise that research published pretty recently from the Committee for Economic Development of Australia found that aged care workers are leaving the industry in droves. So Mm. CEDA found that about 65,000 workers, which is a lot of workers, are leaving the sector each year and that the shortfall has doubled since August. Um, So that is pretty damning indictment on the conditions in the sector at the moment. So the report gave a bunch of reasons for this. Um, Number one, which is fairly obvious, is is that the sector still struggles with really poor pay and conditions. But it also said that border closures associated with the pandemic had stifled migration, um, so it slowed visa processing, which meant there were really less workers coming into the country to work in aged care, which is a real problem, particularly in this sector. And it also said that the negative publicity from the Aged Care Royal Commission had quite a significant effect at dissuading people from coming into the sector and also encouraging people to leave it. So those those factors had sort of combined to, to make the sector a really unattractive place to work. Um, and what this means really when you, when you boil it down is that there's not that many people to provide the basic care for old Australians in residential care and there are fears that those basic forms of care are being compromised. Okay, so Chris, if aged care workers are leaving in such huge numbers, what does that mean for aged care homes and for the kind of care that they're providing to residents? You know, it means that there's really extreme understaffing in a lot of residential aged care homes. So data from the United Workers Union, so one of the main unions who who represent aged care workers, published data in, in late April showing there were 2,900 reports of stressed staff members due to understaffing. Um, It said that there were almost 10,000 unfilled shifts and more than 800 personal accounts of unsafe incidents due to workers being stretched thin for time. So that is, you know, that set of data is really worrying. And on top of that, you know, you had a report quite recently from the University of Technology Sydney Ageing Research Collaborative, which warns that understaffing could potentially compromise really basic forms of care for residents and leave them unattended and without the kinds of care that most Australians would expect that they would receive at a minimum. All of these factors combined, you know, saw a couple of months ago aged care workers across the country walk off the job. So I think that really gives you a a sense of just how dire things are in this sector. 
So the situation is, is so bad, really, that, that uh, back in February, the Morrison government took the quite extraordinary step um, of calling in the Australian Defence Force. Uh, they did that to give the aged care sector a surge workforce or sort of a workforce that can cover gaps um, at residential aged care homes. So that workforce includes nurses from the Federal Department of Health. It um, currently it includes about 70-odd members of the ADF um, and it, it's still available and ready to be deployed um, today at this moment. So Labor is, is, is still running with that, that same concept. Mm. Okay, so that's aged care facilities. What about aged care workers who help care for elderly Australians who still live at home? Yeah, home care, you know, is really critical because it it provides people with services that they need to stay at home. Things like, you know, helping them clean, doing their shopping, uh, helping them bathe, helping them with their medication. Unfortunately, the situation in home care is is just as bad. So there are really severe staffing shortages in home care. Um, We're seeing Older Australians having to sit on really lengthy waiting lists to receive funding for home care. Aged care providers are saying, you know, the, the problems around staffing in, in home care means that some services just simply can't be delivered to people who need it. And we know from government data that, you know, more than 50,000 older Australians have died while waiting for a home care that they've actually been approved for since 2017. So that's a, a pretty shocking statistic. Having said that, it's quite important to note that, you know, there's no suggestion that these deaths were actually caused by the delays in waiting for home care. Health officials have said that the number of deaths is is generally proportionate to the general rate of deaths in the community for for this older cohort of Australians. It's also important to note that um, home care has been the subject of quite extensive funding promises in recent years. So the Morrison government, in its last budget, promised about $6.5 billion to fund an extra 80,000 home care packages, which is is quite a significant funding promise. But even then, you know, the latest government data, which is from February, showed that even with that new funding, the total number of home care providers has actually decreased in the past year, not increased. So I think what we're seeing is even with this significant funding increase, these staffing shortages are so significant that people still cannot actually access the services they've been promised. Next, how to improve aged care in a pandemic. Chris, we also know that the federal government last month scrapped these pandemic leave payments that are designed to help casual workers self-isolate when they get COVID, and they cited budget constraints for this decision. How could this impact aged care workers? Yeah, so over the weekend, National Cabinet met. The National Cabinet has met virtually to discuss the evolving situation with the COVID-19 pandemic. And we agreed on several new measures. And Prime Minister Anthony Albanese announced that he was actually going to reverse this decision. We've agreed to reinstate the pandemic leave disaster payment. There'd been a fair bit of pressure on him to to reverse it from the states and from his own backbench in order to help low-paid workers through this winter wave of COVID. So the government will now extend those pandemic leave payments to the end of September. So that will provide some support for the aged care workforce. It's important to remember that a significant proportion of the workforce here is is made up of casual and contract workers who are 
generally lowly paid and, and don't have great working conditions. So, you know, when they get sick, something like having paid pandemic leave is something that is really critical for them to be able to continue to put food on the table and, you know, to continue to be able to afford to live. I want to make sure that people aren't left behind, that vulnerable people are looked after and that no one is faced with uh, the unenviable choice of not being able to, to isolate properly without losing uh, an income and without being put in a situation that is very difficult. Chris, given everything we've discussed about the complications and the challenges for the aged care workforce, do you think that we're learning any lessons on how to manage aged care three years into this pandemic? Yeah, look, I think we have learnt quite a few lessons from everyone I've spoken to, you know, that the issues around vaccine distribution to aged care residents have sort of been solved, that we've really got the systems down pat now, that they're working quite well in terms of getting vaccines out. And it's the same with personal protective equipment or PPE, uh, which, you know, is, is used in aged care to, to protect workers. That is also in quite good supply um, for aged care providers. No one is complaining about undersupply of PPE. And the same again for antivirals. So, you know, while antivirals and their use in, in treating COVID is, is relatively new, um, no aged care provider that I've spoken to has, has complained about having any access problem to antivirals. So when they need it, it's there um, and it's in good supply. So that those are all really important things that I think we've learned um, on the way during this pandemic and we've improved that. But at the same time, you know, these numbers that we've been talking about, you know, it just shows that we're still really struggling with infection control. We're struggling with containing outbreaks once they're, once they're in and, and preventing deaths is, is still a real difficulty um, in this sector. As you mentioned, Chris, the Council on the Ageing has been encouraging a greater emphasis on public health measures in the general population, but there just doesn't seem to be an appetite to return to mask mandates and other public health restrictions like social distancing. What do you think is the answer here? I think... A large part of the answer here is, is just around health communication. So somewhere along the way, we've kind of lost that idea that we had early on in the pandemic that, you know, the actions that we take are helping people who are much more vulnerable than us. That that kind of thinking seems to have, have gone out the window um, in these recent stages of the pandemic. It's probably a, a factor of fatigue, you know, among the general community. But I, I think we... I just need to be reminded um, and told that, you know, the actions that we take in, you know, our day-to-day lives, you know, whether we're on public transport, moving around in public spaces, going into places like residential aged care settings or places where we interact with older Australians, that we really need to take care to try and do whatever we can to, to prevent transmission. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, me or you might be fine getting COVID, recovering from it, but the kinds of deaths, the numbers that we're seeing in aged care show that, you know, those who are much more vulnerable to the virus aren't going to be fine. And I think that, that that's the piece that is, is possibly missing in our response to COVID as it stands. And it's probably the piece that's going to have the most significant consequences for people in aged care. That was Christopher Norse, reporter for Guardian Australia. 
You can find more of his reporting on aged care at theguardian.com, including his recent article called Aged Care Minister Urges States and Territories Not to Drop COVID Control Measures in Sector. We'll post a link to that on the Full Story website. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria, Laura Briley newton and me, Jane Lee. Sound design and mixing by Camilla Hannon. The executive producers of Full Story are Miles Martignoni, Gabrielle Jackson and Molly Glassy. I'm Jane Lee. Catch you next time.